your voice is going to sound like super silky, sweet, and beautiful. Again, uh, welcome to the meeting. Uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, uh, the whole thing, as I was trying to explain to you earlier, this is this is my fun opportunity to get back with people who I got to meet yeah. while I was open, um, but didn't necessarily have the opportunity to <laughs> really give as much time as I wanted to be able to, right, to get to know yeah. a little bit better, right? Um, a lot of times when you're... Uh, operating your business you kind of you throw the character on and you give the the glad hand hey how you doing shake the baby and off you go right yeah um and then later on you're like man i i wish i got to know that person a little bit right better. and you're one of these yeah. guys right or you're like who, who is that guy <laughs> you're like what's that guy's name i know him and like <laughs> yeah. and so like i came uh when 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 superfly dmc was open um i came out to it and had an opportunity to walk in and uh see the execution of a vision from someone who I thought that I got to know a little bit. Yeah. And I looked around and I was just like, okay, like dudes, dude, smart dudes got artistic ambition. Uh, dude really likes his hip hop. Dude is obviously a talented as hell cook. Uh, he's a family man. So like, so let's start from the beginning. Cause that's where like my introduction to Dave McDonald was. Mm. And Obviously, I think that you're a, a great guy and a fascinating person, but like, you know, let's go backwards. Yeah, um, I've been in the I've been in the industry for 28 years now. Started in high school, like a lot of people do, just looking for a job, washing dishes. Yeah, and um, I've always had an affinity uh, for cooking. My mom was a pretty good home cook. My dad is a pretty good home cook. Um, you know, and so uh, I always kind of like to be around food, um, clearly. And uh, I just kind of stumbled into it. And I, I tried to get out a lot, uh, many times, um, you know, try to go to school. Oh, I'm going for art. Yeah. You know, and that lasts a year. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't want to paint anymore. And, uh, you know, I went for English and then that didn't, I went for business. That didn't happen. And it was like, that kitchen job is always is always waiting for me, you know, when, uh, when I was ready to come back and, uh, worked in just about every environment from, uh, cafes to diners, to fine dining, to seasonal businesses, catering, whatever. And, uh, eventually I was like, you know, in my mid twenties and you're like, what, what the heck am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. What's next? And, um, I'm like, I got to start taking this seriously. So, um, you know, just kind of stuck with it. it. Started being more professional. You know, the soft skills that I don't they talk know. about. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I know I still have a hard time showing up on time, but you know, being there is is half the battle. Mm -hmm. um, so I just started taking it a little more seriously. Um, I was working at Benucci's in Pittsburgh Plaza. Okay, and um, which was is still there. Um, they're still they've been there for since probably the mid '90s, and um, kind of just a. Uh, 
casual pasta mill. Um, but it was brisk and okay. like, you know, pushing volume um, then 600 covers on a Friday oh, night. Yeah. Okay, we were right, right next door to the movie theater. Um, and so th- that's kind of where I learned like, okay, this is how you put things together. Like, um, you know, you have this line, all your mise en place, and somehow I can take all these little things and I can feed all these people. Right. Um, and so that's kind of where like the organization behind it, um, kind of seeing the, the ability to, to start and finish something, um, you know, was really satisfying to me. And plus I just, I just love food anyways. So, um, from there, um, I ended up going to Finger Lakes gaming and racetrack. And so that, um, was a step up for me uh, at the time they were they had just become a casino they were a thoroughbred racetrack <laughs> okay um since the 60s yeah just you know hot dogs concessions that type of stuff yeah and um they had just become a casino and they were being flushed with money from new york state mm-hmm. and so um, i got in there right on time and they had started doing expansions and so um i had worked my way up as a sous chef um it was a, cor- a corporate environment um they were very much into continuing education. So even though I didn't have a, um, a strict culinary background or I never took culinary classes, uh, they kind of, uh, put me in situations, whether it was classes I could take, uh, working with corporate chefs that we had, we had, um, a CMC on staff, um, that, you know, we would get to the privilege of working with occasionally to kind of tighten up our skills. Sure. Um, just kind of absorb whatever we could get from him. Um, his name was Roland Hennen. Um, and got to work with him a few times and just kind of see where you could take it from there. Um, but I was there for 12 years, eventually became the executive chef. Okay. At, and uh, got to travel all over the country, uh, working at other casinos, other properties that we had. Because casinos um, have, they, they do have that, that structure within that they're trying to educate and, and within like whether it's ACF or not, like they're trying to, to structure it. Like, right. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, that was part of it. ACF was a big part of it. Um, you know, I would have to get my chef certifications. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for, for anybody that's, that's listening and watching, like, that you know, home cooks or, or even just people who like to go out to eat ACF is what? It's, uh, the American culinary federation and, uh, they're just kind of an educational body that uh, they do practical examinations is a big thing that they do to test the the skills of chefs kind of so you so people know who you say you are sure um, and uh, they're and they're also about uh, continuing education just mm-hmm. um, you and I both know like we could spend our lives studying food and we're never gonna we're never gonna know everything hopefully we're never gonna yeah, we're, you know there's we're just scratching the surface and so um, I think, you know, things are always changing. Mm. Trends are changing. Right. Um, but having a uh, a set vocabulary, a set uh, structure of how to uh, 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 frame your skill set and what it is that you can bring, where your, your development as a cook goes, it is a very valuable tool. Absolutely. Both yeah. at, both for you as uh, an individual cook and in how you're going to progress mm-hmm. through a system, but also for uh, an institution knowing how to hire a person as well. Right, right. And then in kind of um, for them, you know, seeing that you're, you're investing in yourself, um, 
you know, there's a relationship there where they, they're kind of willing to put more back into you. Sure. Um, so I took advantage of that while, yep. while I had the opportunity. Um, the casino business has become very competitive in New York State. And so um, after 12 years in, we were starting to downsize. We were facing pretty strict competition from uh, Del Lago. Mm. And I just wanted out. And I was like, um, I was turning 40. I'm like, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. Got to pull the trigger. And, uh, you know, just took the money and ran. And uh, started with the idea of Superfly. Sure. And originally, originally, I just wanted to start small. And was like, it's just going to be like a food truck to start. And maybe we can uh, move into a brick and mortar down the road. Okay. And over time, like, just kept thinking of like a restaurant and um, a space opened up right around the corner from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, literally could have, it's about a mile. I could have walked there if I wanted to right. and uh, didn't. Nobody, <laughs> didn't, nobody ever wants but to. But I wanted to do my, my wife did a couple of times and, uh, you know, thought it was perfect, mm-hmm. you know, perfect, right, right in my backyard. Um, the kids are close by and uh, we opened in 2019. Yeah. Uh, July. 2019 you were there and uh you know that first those first that first year is brutal you know you're just trying to dig yourself out of the hole that you put yourself in and um you're still just trying to establish yourself you're trying to figure out your menu you know what people like what they don't like you're trying to figure out the area and uh yeah eight months in to our, our baby business uh you know march I think it was March 15th, March 16th, mm. they shut everything down. Yeah. So um, I had a 112-seat dining room, and now it's empty for three months or whatever. And uh, three kids, and they're school age, and now they're, they're home. And at this point, we're struggling. So my wife, Diane, who was never really supposed to be working at the business every day, Right. She's there every day now working 40 hours and we've got the kids in the back room doing their homework mm-hmm. and trying to go back there and help them when we can, trying to feed them when we can get back there. Cause we're, we're running a business, yep. you know, nonstop from open to close every day. Um, and there, there was a huge outpouring of support early on. You know, people were like, oh, we got to support these restaurants and these businesses. And then when we realized it wasn't going to be two weeks, it wasn't going to be a month. And then it was kind of like, you know, people, everybody else is in the same quandary that we are right. in some way except or another. Not, except not, because you're still in the early phase. You're, right, you're, right. You're trying to make it through that first, that first home. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we're small too. We didn't, we just, we didn't have the resources to, you know, stick it out. And we didn't have the resources to really like go out and like find money, you know, or even we applied for some of the, the PPP, you know, I'm proud to say all that money that we took for that. It went, every cent of it went to my staff, you know, we sure. gave it, we gave them bonuses for staying on for, um, all that stuff. Um, but that was about it, you know? And then it was like, people kind of moved on with their lives and, uh, you know, we reopened the dining rooms eventually, but it was just, right it was never the same. Sure. And, um, so we held on for eight months and then, uh, November of 2020. So we went from July 19 to November of 2020. Mm. Um, and it was hard. It was, it was like, uh, my, my 
father who was a partner with me mm. and he's retired and you know I'd use some of his retirement money to help get us open and um you know he was like we both cried you know sure. he's like I'm in my 40s he's in his 70s and it's like we're crying and he's like you know I feel like somebody died it's a and, lot yeah and it's a um, lot. And it was like I'll, all that I could think about were the people that I worked with, you know, that uh, my kitchen manager, you know, who came with me from the casino. Right. My front of the house manager that came with me, you know, these people that were ride or die for me. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you feel like you failed them a little bit. Um, yeah, I understand that part. And but at the same time, like you feel also like this whole situation, you got kind of robbed, too, you know, like. It was, we were in February before it all happened. We were like, we were surging. We yeah. were, we were, we were like, we think this is, this is going to work out. Well, let's, let's be yeah. honest. Your food was spectacular. Oh, thanks. There was a yeah. reason why you were popular. There was a reason why you were successful because, you know, you were, you, the food you were putting out, and it, it sounds really uh, crazy to say this uh, to people who aren't restaurant cooks or, or uh, just like to go out to eat, but like hot food, hot, cold food, cold, proper use of salt. Yeah. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, so you just do that good. And now let's be creative, right? Now let's play with flavors let's let's mix salty and sweet yeah. and 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 start combining things like how you were doing so so smartly and brilliantly so like let's talk about because you know um let, let, let we'll get back to the closing of it yeah. for a sec well let's oreo cookie this for a mm -hmm. second because i saw the smile on your yeah. face when you started talking about people and things and ideas so like let's let's talk about the concept behind dmc because Obviously, you had a lot of thoughts, and it was yeah. really personal. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, um, it's a it's a dream that I've had since I really probably got serious about cooking. So in my, I was probably in my twenties, and it was always one of those someday type of things. And even when I was at the casino and writing menus every day for buffets and caterings and bars or whatever. I'd write my own menus for myself, yeah. you know, the ones that I wouldn't give them, you know, that I'm like, this someday this is the food that I'm going to make. I'm not going to be pigeonholed into making casino food, you know? Well, and, and the funny part about that is that's the, the kid in the driveway. It's two seconds left inbound shot, yeah. three point for the <laughs> win. Right. But yeah. you're writing down your menu. Yes. Yeah. But that's what I know what that thought process mm -hmm. is. That's, that's passion. So keep going. Yeah, and I still have I still have a lot of those menus. Some of them 10, 15 years old that I wrote. And some of them are funny. I go back and look at them and be like, oh, I know what chef I was trying to copy there, you know, or <laughs> sure. what, what cookbook I was reading at that time. But uh, over time, all those things kind of inform and permeate all of everything you're doing. And it's like um, even looking, I was looking around at some of the cookbooks that you have, and like I have a lot of them. And uh, one of the Thomas Keller cookbooks, mm -hmm. he talks about seasoning with vinegar. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, everybody thinks about seasoning in terms of salt and pepper, and they don't think about acid. Right. You know, and um, I remember working with, uh, with a chef one time, and, like, we were talking about how, like, a Big Mac is, like, a perfect bite. You got the salty and the sweet, the special sauce and the pungent onions and mm -hmm. the crisp lettuce and the toasty sesame seed bun. And he was like, the Big Mac, the Big Mac is not 
a recipe, it's a formula. Sure. And I agree. so I, everything I do, I started thinking about that way, kind of mad scientist, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, I think this flavor might work with that flavor. Let's try it. Sometimes they don't work, mm -hmm. but um, that's for me to figure out, you know, and then the, the ones that do work, I try to pass on and, and share with people. And it's, it's easy to figure out how to do that if, like, if you're going to make, like, a little canapé, right? Right. Because, like, you've only got one yeah. bite. But how do you translate that into a sandwich, right? And I'm, I was always a big believer, and I think <laughs> clearly by your menu you were too, I was always a big believer in the power of a sandwich, right? Yeah. It, it is such a vehicle, a, a, a people-friendly vehicle for whatever flavor you want to put, you right? Can, you can turn anything into a sandwich. 100%. Literally. Yeah. And that's a great argument, too, the mm. what is a sandwich yeah. argument, right? Like I just think if you can get bread around it, it's a sandwich. Right, yeah. 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 I, I, you know, uh, there's there's all these criteria, mm -hmm. and, and invariably it turns into an argument at some point in the kitchen with people arguing for or against anything being, right? But uh, so talk about, like... Talk about some of the sandwiches. Talk about some of the flavors. Talk about you talk you know you uh, uh, acid, but you also played with textures a lot, also. Yeah, yeah, it's um, along you know along the same lines, but it's like when uh, you start thinking about things like mouthfeel, and mm -hmm. it's like uh, you're always trying things, and you're like something's missing, you know, and then sometimes it's crunch, you mm -hmm. know, sometimes it's the snap of a pickle, or you know some ice, just something as simple as some iceberg lettuce. Um, and that's kind of when you, you fall back on some of those fundamentals sometimes where you're like, sometimes you can overcomplicate things and then you're like, uh, it's really, you know, yep. You have this star, whether it's the meat or the sauce or whatever that you made, um, that's really going to be like the flavor profile, but then it's like the rest is kind of, right. You know, the rest is kind of elementary. You need bread. Sure. Some good, some good bread, some good condiments. Um, you know, it's, uh, but it, and, and having good bread was a big thing, right? Um, you did work with amazing grains. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. obviously they were making really great bread. Incredible right? bread. Yeah, yeah. Some of my favorite. Um, and so that's a great factor of it. Uh, you know, uh, you, you talked about sauces, um, and you did do a lot of sauce work, right? Mm -hmm. And it, you know, that's, you know, that that's kind of like the sex appeal on a lot of yeah. stuff, right? Everybody talks about sauces. So like talk, you, cause you had some cold, some hot, you were kind of mm -hmm. all over the place. Talk about some of those flavor combinations. Um, again, it's just like when you're, when you're putting together a dish, uh, like we had a cold, we had a cold noodle, mm -hmm. um, with a spicy vinaigrette. And so it was like hot and cold, but, um, the hot part is the seasoning, you know, and mm -hmm. the, the dish itself is cold. I love that um, part, right? Playing with that yeah. idea. And so it's like, there's there's heat there. It's just not, you know, the heat you were expecting. Right. But One of the things that, that like, inspired me uh, from your food was you, you had this playfulness of um, things that you liked to eat either when you were a kid, like, like you were trying to either, like, like step up yeah. and refine something that was from your childhood or you were even just like almost like you were uh, like a comic book artist sitting down with his sketch and you were like, okay, so here's a cool idea of a hamburger, but how can we really draw this fucked up and weird? And like, let's go that route. 
Um, I think a lot of that came from, uh, you see a lot of chefs, they kind of talk about their inspirations and like, I feel like so many chefs have way more interesting stories than I do as far as where they came from. And I'm like, you know, a little white kid from the suburbs, suburban parents. And I'm like, you know, what's, what's my, what's my, uh, my background, you know, what kind of, what, what are my roots, my culture really? Yeah. And so kind of looking at it. And so like we had a, a fried chicken sandwich uh, called the after school special Mm -hmm. and uh, we made a hoisin grape jelly and instead of peanut butter, we made a, like a tahini sauce. Yep. And so it was a peanut butter and jelly fried chicken sandwich, but yep. it was, there was no peanut butter in it. There was a little bit of jelly that, that went in the hoisin, but it, um, it was, it was kind of more trying to take things that I remembered and make them interesting. Right. Uh, because you know, whatever peanut butter and jelly is great. Sure. I still love peanut butter and jelly, but I don't, I don't really want to, start a business selling them <laughs> but like that i mean peanut butter and jelly i try to explain to people like foie gras who've never had it and i and they're like well like tell me what it's all about and i said well when i've had it and it's been its best is when the chef is trying to do a take on peanut butter and jelly <laughs> and and they all look at me like i don't understand what the hell you just said but it's like it's true right yeah it's, you take something uh, I was trying to explain to my kids the other day, uh, one of my favorite things growing up was a spaghetti sandwich, right? Right. Where, where I just made um, real, like, super ghetto uh, like garlic toast and took yesterday's spaghetti, threw it in the center, and just, like, ate it like a caveman, right? Yeah. Like, just all over me. But that was that was a great memory. Yeah. And, like, I, I'm talking about it right now, and I probably am going to go make one right, for dinner. Yeah. And I don't have any spaghetti <laughs> or even any of the, the ingredients, but I want it now. Um, so that's, like, I loved that, or the, the playfulness of it, right? Um, and, you know, when you walked in, there was a vibe, right? Yeah. Everybody nowadays, they, they, they're, they're all trying to achieve a vibe. They're all trying to get to a vibe. But, like, you very honestly walked into that space and were hit with a vibe, like a baseball bat in your face with the artwork and the colors and the names of uh, of the dishes on the menu and the music that was being yeah. played and everything like that. So, like, that's you understood what you wanted your concept to be. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe my, my only regret about it is that maybe, like, we shouldn't have done it in Penfield. Yeah, but uh, so do, do you the, do you think location was good for you, bad for uh, you? Do you think it ulti- wasn't the end? Ultimately, I don't think it helped us. Right. Um, one thing we kind of so Wegmans was our landlord, um, and at first, like you know, you're kind of like, well, they're such a big company; they seem like they're good to work with, um, and we were kind of down at the end of their plaza there in Penfield. Mm-hmm. And after we kind of moved in, uh, I kind of realized some things about the space. They had kind of redirected all the traffic patterns to kind of go around our part of the plaza. Sure. And then they had also um, kept the landscaping so high that you couldn't really see, have get a clear vantage point of us from the street. And um, not exactly you know, corporate espionage, no, but not, one, not, no, but it was, it was kind of one of those things like, Hey, you know, you could trim the landscaping yeah. so people can like see over the, the crest, yeah. um, little things like that. You know, um, I think some people didn't want to drive out to Penfield. We were out like, uh, close to two fifty there. So 
So it really isn't that far if you hop on 490 and come up 441. But yep. um, the factors with the location, we we I feel confident we would have been able to work through those things right. without COVID. Right. But the combination of the two was just kind of our death knell. Right. Um, and the space itself, yeah, I mean, the, right along with the menu writing and everything, that was the same thing. You know, the the colors I wanted to be bright and pop in, and they were like um, greens and oranges and the artwork. Um, I had been collecting the, the artwork for probably about ten years. This is artist named Steve Keen who does really amazing, um, just awesome. I, I want to buy your stuff. It's great. <laughs> they he does these kind of abstract uh, renderings of like famous album covers. So like I had all these like abstract renderings of like all these Beastie Boys albums mm -hmm. and David Bowie and Pavement and all these bands that I like. Um, and that was definitely part of the vibe. Even the music, like I would just sit up at night making playlists. Like It felt, I mean this in every com complimentary way possible. The attention to detail when I walked in felt Wes Anderson-esque, right? Like <laughs> music, lighting, yeah. colors, art, names of stuff everything was very intentional right yeah it, there was not a lot of, there was no not a lot of details there that weren't that didn't seem intentional and i mean ultimately the the way it ended up was it was how i had envisioned it great um, so i was happy you know with with the overall vibe of the space i was happy that's great so um so the, like we 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 alluded to it and we said we'd get back to it and i can absolutely uh get with you having been this close to my own closing yeah. like let's get to the closing because it's not easy and no. you know i think opening a business there's a lot of things that um you know you got to it you, you you had enough money to get open and you had enough money to start to stay open but then there's operational capital that really kind of gets thin i mean i had to yeah. go to people for operational capital when we first started and those are the kind of things that like people don't think of right right what are some other what are some other um pieces of advice like that of of that you look back on now that you wish that you had known that you wish that somebody had told you prior to opening your business um i wish i had started smaller okay like i um i you know i was confident that i could take care of a hundred seat restaurant but um, you know, f keeping it full and, and all that is a different story. Um, and sometimes I'm like, you know, I wish I'd done the food truck first, like definitely would have been a much easier pivot. Mm -hmm. And during COVID it would have been perfect. You know, right. people were doing pop-ups everywhere. Yep. Um, I, that was the other thing too, is like a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of cooks lost their jobs. Um, and they're starting pop-ups. People want to support those. And, the pop-ups are great. A lot of good business came out of them, but they're not, they didn't have rent to pay, you know? And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. And it's like, like you're saying, it's like, I'm, I, I don't begrudge anybody. And, but same time I was like, I, I wasn't going to be the type of person with my hand out, you know, being like somebody come help me, somebody come bail me out. And we, right. you know, we tapped out our resources, you know, cashed out our, the the four hundred one k's we did short of selling the house you know we we went every avenue that we could because mm -hmm. um, it because it was our baby you right. know and we just didn't want to see it die um, and that's and that's hard and and you know uh, it's 
when you put that amount of time and effort into something, that emotional connection is real. And then you add on top of it the uh, the financial um, burden that you put on yourself, right, to yeah. chase the the dream, right, right, and uh, and and uh, to 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 try to explain what that is like to the average person is not easy no. to try to explain that to a person who has managed a restaurant for a long period of time, but never owned one. Um, the, that person might think that they, they understand uh, the, the, the heartache that you're going through, but it, it really is a unique thing that mm-hmm. until you've, until you've experienced that, you don't know it. Right. Yeah. And, and you're not prepared you're not really prepared for it uh when it finally happened it was like you, you know the writing's on the wall but sure. when it when you finally have to pull the trigger and you just yeah it's like a wave you know you just and and you know you do you think um do you think that you're better off for it like uh at the end of the day we're are you're you're financially better off having closed the business now because it would have been the ruin of you had you kept going, correct? Yeah. So so yeah. ultimately You could have literally like lost the house. Correct. Yeah. So, so you so you made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Have you uh have you found some peace with it emotionally yet? Yeah. Um I mean obviously it's a huge learning experience to learn a lot about myself. Yeah. Um but learn a lot about other people, you know, going through it too. Um, you know, my wife has been tremendous, uh, so supportive, um, you know, really kind of watching me fall apart, you know, and, um, something that I had held on to for so long and then to just see it kind of slip through my fingers. Um, but we, uh, you know, at the time when the restaurant closed, they were, they were still offering, uh, unemployment benefits to owners. Okay. And, I was getting, I got some offers right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, good ones too. Ones that in hindsight, I'm like, should I have taken them? But um, I needed that. I needed some time to heal. I was just emotionally broken, physically not in great shape, mm-hmm. um, just from pushing myself. And, um, you know, you start something. burning the candle on both ends. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And you just, you can't escape from it. I was going in there even like, I was, trying to take a day off but then sometimes sneaking in um, on my one day off just to do whatever clean and your you brain know, never yeah. turns off you're still thinking yeah about and it. you're kind of like oh, i gotta be in the space you know like um and so even losing that actually was hard having that place that was kind of like my fortress of solitude yeah um where i could go and just like blow off some steam be by myself put some music on do a little work um it's funny. My kids used to call my shop Daddy's house. Yeah, yeah. And so they were like, "Well, where are you going to go now?" And I was like, "Holy God, I yeah. don't know. That's existentially that fucked me up." Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it was kind of hard to lose that. Um, but yeah, I I took some time off. You know, did some probably did some self medicating. Probably a little too much. Yeah. And uh, at some point, I was like, "Fuck, I got to do something again." You know, and it was like the idea of going back. And working for somebody again is the hardest part, really, to come to terms with. And uh, did you ever romanticize it? Did yeah, it, did, I did. did. Did you ever I be did, like, yeah. "I'm going to be the best fucking employee that anybody ever got"? I yeah, I did. I I think there were certain places that I I I got some good offers, 
I turned I turned them all down. I was kind of holding out for some things that didn't come to fruition. Um, and when the, when those things when the things I was hoping for didn't come to fruition, then you kind of feel even more lost because you're like, all right, what am I gonna do now? Sure. And um, people kept messaging me on Instagram about this cookie that we served at the restaurant and uh-huh. we, we just called it the sweet and salty cookie that's all we called it it was a sesame and white chocolate cookie and the idea behind it was originally was i wanted something that was going to be like uh wax for the guests like oh it's your first time here like have some cookies you know mm-hmm. um oh you're on your way out the door oh you got a kid here have a cookie mm-hmm. and um it started off as that and then people were like yo where are the cookies at you know like uh, became a thing at the real thing at the restaurant where we started it was one of those things uh we were just you know putting them on plates or handing them to people and we had to start packaging them because people were asking for them so months and months after the restaurants closed people are still messaging me on ig mm-hmm. yo can i get the cookie recipe and i'm like <laughs> what no like and people get messaging me about the cookies and um we're like we don't have any money we we don't have a space and um, a friend a friend of a friend was like, hey, I know this church. They got an empty space. They got a convection oven. They're like, you just need to get a mixer. They got workspace. So we looked into it. Space looked pretty good. And so we're like, we'll start making cookies again. Because for us, it was the one thing from the restaurant that we could hold on to. Sure. It was still, could be tangible to us. We can't make the food anymore. We don't have the space anymore. Um, but a scalable food, right? Right. A food that we can, yeah, just that Diane and I can churn like, out. Like you said, smaller. Right. Exactly. And so, um, and really this is too small, almost too small for us to uh, really support ourselves with. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's keeping the dream alive. And, yeah, that's, and that's all it's about. That's um, cool. You know, it's the cookies definitely did not pay my bills, um, but it's it's a labor of love. It's something that I can still do with my family, uh, the kids. You know, put the sure. stickers on the on the bags, and um, you know, it's still a family affair. Um, we still love coming up with new flavors, kind yeah. of taking that theme of salty and sweet, uh-huh. um, and and mixing up those flavors. So it's like we still have that Superfly vibe. Uh, we retired the Superfly name. Yep. But we took the DMC and made the dope munchie crew. I, yeah. I it, that was it was when I when the name for the cookie company came out, I was just like, I mean, you get DMC is, you know, uh, that has connotation. That's like the double entendre that you can use for the rest of your life. Right. So you got to figure out how to keep that. And so dope munchie crew, I was like, guy's so good, man. <laughs> Um, yeah. And you know, uh, we originally, it was, it was dank munchy crew Yep, and my uh, sister-in-law who, uh, does our graphic design for us. She's like, I don't know if I like that connotation. Sure. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, but stoners love cookies, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> but so we changed it to dope. We agreed on dope and, uh, dope munchy crew it is. I love, I, I mean, I've been. I, I don't I never gave up with the word dope. I've been using it my entire life. Yeah, me too. Uh I get I get a lot of weird looks when I use it sometimes. People <laughs> are like, really? It's still? Uh I was like, bro, I'm wearing overalls. Leave me alone. <laughs> um 
What are what are some of the uh, the most successful or or uh, yes, the white chocolate sesame cookie yeah. is so that's we, just classic. We renamed that. It's called the OG now. Yep, um, white chocolate and sesame. That one we have all the time. We have to make all the time. Um, the peanut butter and jelly shut the front door. Yeah, we haven't made that one in a while. I know that was one of your favorites, and um, you were huge uh, helping us by you know carrying the the cookies at McCann's and like just putting them right at the register. So many people saw them there. Um, that was like, the easiest. That sale. was uh, for us. I mean, that was so valuable for us because we weren't initially planning on being like a wholesale business. Right. Um, we were kind of late to the COVID pop-up th- phenomenon where people were driving out and picking things up. Right. And we tried that for a little while and then um, realized people weren't going to drive out and pick up cookies. So, right. Um, we went the wholesale route and it's been really successful. We've, and one of the things I, I love about it is being able to form relationships with these other small businesses, kind of partnering with them. Um, and as a, as a, either an ancillary, like I got to, as a butcher shop, uh, as a butcher, I had a different relationship with other restaurants than I did as a sort of restaurant tour. I got, I, I wasn't really competition. So like right. I could walk in and like, we could talk meat and things were cool. Right. Like, um, as another restaurant tour, people might've been like, all right, well this, this guy's, you know, his sandwiches are really good and he's taking a little bit of money out of my pocket maybe. But, uh, as, as dope munchie crew, he's doing something really cool and adding value to my business. And so that like, it, it not for nothing, but it can be a little bit more collaborative. You can have right. some more fun with some people. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, uh, we've done some, you know, collabs are kind of the, what everybody does now, I guess. I don't, you know, yeah. but, uh, we've done, we've done some cool ones. Uh, Costanza's, uh, sausage, yep. uh, out there on one Oh four. Great uh, stuff. Great. Scott stuff. was giving us his bacon ends and I was pushing them through a meat grinder and like processing them. And we were making bacon cookies yep. uh, for Costanza. That they were, I mean, they came. I don't want to toot my horn, own horn. They came out pretty well, and uh, they loved them, which was the most important part. But um, yeah, just kind of having that synergy, like, hey, like, let's do something fun. Exactly, and um, that's definitely rewarding when it and- when it is when it can be fun. So. Uh- that leads into a little bit about some stuff that you're doing now over at Swiftwater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, um, right around the time we were starting the cookie business and we were like, you know, things are going to be tight. Um, we had kind of had unrealistic expectations about our initial sales and, uh, kind of seeing that like, okay, we're going to need a little extra boost. Um, Andy, uh, cook who owns Swiftwater, was just like, hey, uh, well, initially he was like, hey, we need a chef. And I was like, not interested. <laughs> and then he was kind of like, well, you know, would you just think about giving us some help a couple of days a week? I was like, sure, you know. Um, so I came out and just kind of helped them. Wasn't really too much into the food. I loved, I loved the beer there, but I was kind of like, whatever. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, keep my head down. Sure. And then um, over the course of the year, there's just personnel changes, stuff happens. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, I'm not the new guy anymore. And then they're like, hey, can you pick up another day? You pick up another day. And then, you know, a year in, I'm 
kind of running the place. Right. So, which, which was accidental. It was never intentional. Right. Um, but sometimes some of the best things do start that yeah. way, right? Well, I think it was good because I think if I had gone in just guns blazing, doing what I wanted to do, right. I probably would have rubbed people the wrong way. Sure. They wouldn't have really got to know who I was. So I went in there and just made the food that they wanted me to make, whether I liked it or not. And some of it, some of it was good. I'm not being critical of it or the, like the anybody that worked there, but um, it wasn't wasn't what I wanted to be doing mm -hmm. per se. And um, over time, you know, my influence just kind of shone through. I kind of kind of started to influence how they were doing things, even just organizationally. Oh, let's do it this way, you know, instead of that way. And over time, it was like, oh, let's ask Dave, you know, before we we do something. And so, um, it's been nice because they they haven't put a lot of expectations on me. Um, they kind of let me do what I want. That's a good uh, thing. Uh, nobody really, nobody really uh, gives me too much trouble. But I think a lot of it too. I like to think a lot of it is I come in there and kind of try to raise the bar a little bit too. Um, I got a young. We have a really, really small staff. Really young staff. Um, I, I mean, kinda, it's a small kitchen back yeah, there to begin with, right? I kind of. Yeah, I mean, we have the entire kitchen staff is five people, right? And. Um, got a lot of young kids working for me which uh they're they're inexperienced but like they just want to be there and i'm like you know that's all i need nurture, now you're nurture play right you know and um so you know that's that's rewarding too it's like i'm getting long in the tooth you know i don't know how many years i got left on the line yep. really um but to see these young kids come in and be excited and want to work with me mm -hmm. you know and yeah. i'm like hey cool so um, but and, and, and like, that's just to say too that like, cool food is cool, right? No matter what, yeah. No matter what, no matter where, right. no matter what age, no matter what your background right. is, cool food is just cool food. And you know the the menus that I've been seeing, uh, you know, come out for you know some of the you know events that've been going on and and so on and so forth. It's like yeah, th that's the food that will that will drive people to an event that might have been on the fence right right and and we i love Swiftwater. those guys are near and dear to my heart because oh, they yeah. opened up right near when we right. did they've just been super cool guys the whole time you know uh i mean andy is just uh, uh, you know it just salt of the earth yeah and yeah. no and, ego and, yeah. and their their beer is always great mm -hmm. their beer is always awesome. great and and so to uh uh to see that place um, sort of in the middle of what feels to me like a renaissance where both sides of the the plate feel like they're being taken care of, right? right. Like the glass was always great. Now the, the plate feels like it's like really, really excellent right now. And I love that. And, you know, I think it's great that you're there too. So uh, I don't necessarily, I know Swiftwater to be a place that plays a lot of music. They have their record. Uh, what, what day do they play records? Don't, they don't do that anymore. Okay. I, and I, we've been. I think they should bring it back. The vinyl night. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, the but, question uh, is: is like, is their music tastes up to snuff for you? Yeah, you're pretty we, eclectic. I know. Yeah, yeah. I I listen to a lot of different stuff. We do a lot of indie rock in the in the dining room. Okay. Um, just because I think it's kind of like palatable for. For a wide range of people, 
Uh, sometimes we give him a hard time for playing sad. We call it sad cowboy rock, <laughs> you know, a little bit too much of that. Um, but in the kitchen, uh, it was bumping. Oh, uh, in the kitchen, we got a big old Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Looks like a little amp. Yep. And, um, sometimes we, you know, they got to tell us to turn it down. Yeah. So, well, they should. Yeah. You got to be rowdy every now and then. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're not fighting for your right to party back there, well, then what's exactly. The but uh, so, uh, what's on heavy rotation uh, nowadays? Um, you know, I tend to fall back just kind of on a lot of old standbys. Like in the kitchen, I a lot of times I'll just put my likes on. Yep. And um, new stuff. Uh, yeah, the, it, service isn't really for like finding new music. It's for yeah. catching what you've already got. Or the like vibe with. remembering, you know, something some random record. Right. Like, oh, it's cool. It's on streaming. Um, New stuff like uh, I really like the new Lil Yachty record. Okay, it's like I, unexpected. Um, I'm in. Yeah, so he, uh, you know, it, it's cool. Like he and like guys like Tyler, mm-hmm. the creator, and they're like, we don't want to be pigeonholed into just being like rappers. They're like, we want to. We're artists. And uh, Lil Yachty was like, I want to make like a psychedelic record, mm. like a psychedelic rock record. And so, I mean, I'll give that a shot because he's not a rapper. He's not. Well, I mean, there's I, a lot of. There's a lot I ref, of. I refuse. There's a lot of auto tune. Yeah, but um, no, it's. A, I think it's a really good record. Um, uh, Toby uh, Wigway. Okay. Have you heard? Send it. Give me a link. Incredible. Give me a link. Incredible. Like yeah. maybe record of the year. Um, I like, mean, yeah, for sure. I'll I'll send it to you. It's they were on they were on uh, Fallon. Okay. A couple of weeks ago. So that's like, so that's another question. So um, wh- where do you? Because there's so much stuff nowadays, right? So much new music. Where 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 are you filtering some of that in from? Like where where are you finding? Um, it man, it's mostly the algorithms. Okay. Like I'll put on a record that I like, mm-hmm. and then just let it play out, and then all of a sudden I'm like, some news point. I'm like, what's this? Gotcha. You know? A lot of it too is like I I you know I do work with kids you know and they're like turning me on to I'll turn them on to something you know from like the seventies or eighties or something like that and they're like oh my god I've never heard you know this and then they're yeah they're turning me on to the the stuff that's on the street you know so I'll miss that part of it yeah. having that youth around yeah. that injection of what is actually happening right you feel like even though I know like I'm not cool like <laughs> I'm cool adjacent like. I've, I've at least, you know, being in the kitchen, it's like you still kind of got your, it's an education every day, the Listen, conversations that you have. and You and I are the coolest middle-aged men in this room <laughs> right now. That's all that matters. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny because, like, I I used to rely on algorithms, right? I um, Like, Pandora was better for that than I think Spotify yeah. is, right? Right, the but, thumbs up and thumbs down. Right, yeah. and it, 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 it was much more, like, trying to get you into some new stuff. Uh, and nowadays, man, I'm, I do rely on other people. Like I've got, I've got one other butcher and I, I shouted him out on Instagram the other day, David Gathy, conscious carnivore, <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin. What's up? Uh, that man's got an ear for all kinds of music and he's constantly screenshotting or putting up what he's listening to. And all I do is I like, I picture grab everything yeah. that that man puts on oh, his, yeah. on his and, and then like. I'll go back like once a week and I'll start, I'll make a playlist out of everything he listened to for the, so I'm usually about a month behind you, David, but I'm catching up. 
Um, yeah, I mean, streaming is is cool from that regard that you can like. I do miss the days of like record bin hunting, even sure. though you know record archive's still there. It's not that I can't. I just right. vinyl's gotten so expensive. Uh, the, it's not it's, the cheap, it's not cheap anymore uh, right. like it was back in the day. But um, yeah, the the independent record stores have kind of gone by the wayside for the most part. For the most part, and, yeah. Um, now it's like, yeah. And, and how do you it, find music, right? And nowadays too, artists are uh, they're releasing things differently. Like uh, now, people are just they're going to put out a single. They're here. just releasing singles, right? Yeah. So you got it, it. It used to be you, they would release an album, and you would you'd get that album. Obviously, you're going to listen to the title track or whatever. But then you're looking for that deep cut, right? You're looking yeah. you're looking for the oh oh you you bought the new album. Have you listened to this? Oh, oh you play track eight. Yeah. Right, yeah. Play, play track eight. You, you'll, you'll thank me later. Right nowadays, it's just you almost have to know that a single is coming out, right, to go get it. Um, but yeah, it uh, even even Weird Al is doing that nowadays. Weird Al stopped it's putting just, out uh, albums. What are you doing? Uh, it, it, well, everybody, it's everybody digests things in little blurbs now. It's sure. like the art of an album is kind of lost, where it's kind of this circular story, you know, that you start go through the whole story and then it ends and you can kind of start it over again. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, like, yeah, that, that track that, you know, like you're listening to an album and you're driving down the high road or whatever. And it's just like that perfect moment. The track comes on and it's like, Oh yeah. You know? And um, yeah, you don't really get that anymore. And, and it, you just, the unexpected cut, right. The, uh, or the, um, the track that uh, that you forgot about on an album, or the one that you didn't give a, a good enough shot when it first came out, and you go back and you're like, "Man, I was wrong about yeah. this." I, I, that's that's the the whole Ben's album for me with Radiohead. Not oh to, yeah, not to go totally different genre, but <laughs> you know, I I'm a huge Radiohead fan. That might be my favorite band of all time. Yeah. And the Ben's was an album that I never gave enough play, and I go back and listen uh, to it now, and I'm like, classic. I was, and, and maybe maybe I was trying to avoid it because all the nerds were like, "No, no, no! It's the Benz, yeah. man." And anyways, it's great. I was wrong. It's a good album. <laughs> um, you ever see Radiohead? It's that's a bucket list. Yeah, awesome question. Bucket list bands, bucket list concerts that you have been to and or have still on the list. Okay, so I have seen Radiohead. I saw them on the OK Computer tour. Oh, you dick! And uh, in Ottawa, I drove up to Ottawa with some friends, and we saw them. And it was like um, it was like an open room, so there was no seats. And um, most ridiculous thing, there was like a mosh pit, just because. <laughs> So many people were crammed. There was like a thousand people crammed in this tiny little right. space. But I was up there. I was smushed up there and could see them. But the funniest thing was uh, Tom York. They they played like all their hits. Mm -hmm. um, and this was before they had really gotten like into the electronic stuff. Right. But they they played Creep. And uh, Tom Tom York prefaced the song. He goes, uh, he goes, here's the song for all your fucking karaoke machines. And then they, and then they, you know, ding, 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 yeah. you know, go into the song, and you're like, people didn't care. They're just they pop for it, and Play they don't care. Hits, they're playing man. creep, yeah. That, um, they they made a whole movie about that one. Uh, there's a documentary called Meeting People Is Easy. Oh yeah, and it's just like yeah. it, it could it could just be subtitled Why We Hate the Song Creep, <laughs> right? Yeah. But you know, 
Yeah, I remember that. That's the they have the footage of that uh, video where the, the yeah. fish tank is filling up at his head, Several and he's, times and he's, he's like, like choking, <laughs> yeah, spitting and shit. It's fun. Um, so uh, other concerts. What, what are some other cool shows you've been to? Oh, man, I, I you know I don't really with kids. It's hard to get Nowadays, out just right? in general. And uh, concerts, good concerts don't come around here. Around Rochester, it's like you got to go to like Toronto yeah, yeah. or New York. Um, I'd like to see LCD sound system. Agreed. Just for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of those bands like this kind of lasted the test of time for me from like their first recordings, like in the early 2000s to even, I don't know how many times he's retired or whatever and right. come back. Yeah. Cut it but, out. Um, Stop toying with my emotions. But uh, yeah, everything. I mean, I watched the, they had that concert film. Uh, yep. Sh- shut up and play the hits. I think it was called. Yeah. And, um, like a, the, the like dance yourself clean that. video from that one get yeah. like gets me in the field oh yeah for sure. and he does the um he does that one song uh with uh, reggie watts yeah and reggie watts oh. is like doing the little scat thing at the end and you're just like mind blown um i'd love to see them um this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna go way back i'd love to see the cure um yeah man a band I've, that i've like been so close to seeing a few times and just missed um, I'd like to see Public Enemy, the the newest version, no. or like historical, like, like go back I in time. See, yeah, like Chuck Flav Terminator X. Yeah, me too. Um, but I was just like a little bit too young to catch them when they were like out touring a lot. Yep. Wu Tang. Yep. Have me, never seen them. Me neither. Um, I'd love to see them, but probably my biggest regret was uh, I always wanted to see the Beastie Boys. Mm. And I had tickets to go see them. They were going to play at Darien Lake okay. with Rage Against the Machine. Ooh. And um, Mike D broke his collarbone in a bicycle accident right before the tour started. They canceled the whole thing. I never got to see him. Thanks, Mike Diamond. Yeah. Rip MCA. But Yeah. Um, uh, that, that's, that would have been an awesome. Uh, Darien Lake is, if there was going to be a cool show coming through, that was the spot, right? Probably yeah, like somebody of somebody of that magnitude of right. that size. If it was going to be like the the arena outdoor tour, that's where yeah. it was going. Uh, to find some of those like good indie acts or like hip hop acts, like, sure. I think you got to go to those smaller venues and in bigger cities. Like, and I think that's where you want to see those bands. Yeah, too, true. Right? Yeah, I don't really want to see. I mean, somebody I saw, at an amphitheater. Like I'm wearing an Atmosphere shirt, and I saw Atmosphere when they came to Town Ballroom in Buffalo. Uh, it's like 2007, 2008 ish. And what a cool space that is. Like that's the kind of like per now atmosphere has gotten a lot bigger. They yeah. wouldn't play that space anymore, but like, I can't imagine seeing them anywhere else. There wasn't a bad right. spot to watch that show. Um, you were crowded, you were crammed in there, but it was great. Um, and that's why hip hop acts are tough like that, right? Like it's not one of those, um, pyrotechnics or like, uh, uh, stage show heavy styles of of act right yeah i hip-hop i think has had kind of a a bad live reputation Mm. because sometimes it's hard to take that magic in the studio and then translate it to like a live performance right like i think even just like i'm not a rapper but i think rhyming live to a beat like the breath control and everything that they have to use like sometimes it's hard like because they're doing it on the album, not moving. They're right, standing still. Right. And now they're trying to walk around a stage. Yeah. Like uh, um, the one uh, MF Doom did that one live album that's like 
it, he just cut it as like a 40 minute track, no <laughs> skips or anything. And like, you know, you, you, anytime you listen to any live rap recording or like a Jay-Z did the unplugged with the roots. Yeah. Uh, that was a great live oh, album. Yeah. But they're, they're skipping lines and stuff just cause it's, there's no way that they can like get all the words in live. What have I been listening to? Uh, the Kenny beats album had, a, uh, some, some stuff on it. I really liked, uh, Absol has an album out right now that has a bunch of really good beats and, and vibes to it. Um, you know, a, uh, um, who is it there? Uh, not Benny the butcher. Who's the guy who he, he beefs with there. Oh, Freddie Gibbs. Yeah. What a great, I mean, that, yeah, some that, samples and a vibe, like a great sound. That right? album is really good. Um, I'm glad you brought that one up because that that one's definitely been getting some play in the kitchen. Code of the Friend, okay, yeah, uh, he's got a new album yep. out. That one we've been listening to a lot. Um, Black Thought and Danger Mouse so did good. that album. Oh. oh, like every track on that is so good. That's an album that feels like it's been out forever, but it's yeah. just because the it's all good. It's he's just too so good. like one of the most underrated MCs. I feel like hundred percent. Like you ever see that ten minute freestyle that he did, and uh, was it on Sway or everything he does is yeah. good, man. I you like couldn't. Hey, he's he starts. He's wearing the fedora at the beginning, and they start the beat, and you're like, I, I'm like, even if this is a written, the fact that he could remember it is incredible. But Correct. By the end of the freestyle, he's hat is off. He's got a bead of sweat going down, and I mean, it's it like this guy's spinning for ten minutes, and it was like it was taxing him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And like, uh, it's one of those genres too. I wish, um, I, I, I wish more people were successful with it, uh, locally. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm going to shout out another, uh, buddy of mine out in Syracuse, uh, a, a kid called danger. Check him out. Um, uh, yeah. really cool band out in Syracuse. They, uh, you know, they're cooks. They're, yeah. they're just they're they're just guys out living life that also are really talented musicians. One of the MC is a, a friend of mine, a former colleague, and it, just one of the best MCs you never heard of and need to. Nice. Um, and it's uh, they're out there getting it done now, and they've got you know they've got a rock and roll vibe to them, which uh, which sounds like it's out of place, which sounds like it might be like you know the the rock rap of the '90s, but it's not. And you know they got a a, a uh, a, a guy on a turd table scratching it up. They got a fucking ninja assassin on drums. Um, so it's uh, it, it, that's that to me is a blueprint yeah. of of what it is I want to see from people locally yeah. making music. the live drums make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so we talked about where where DMC started. We talked about where DMC is. Um, do you do you have anything kind of like in the books of uh, uh of of the next evolution of something that you're trying to work on or are we are we trying to find rhythm where we're at? We're I I think we're in a good rhythm with the cookies. My uh, my wife Diane manages most of the cookie business. I'm kind of responsible. I come up with the flavors. Bad I, scientist. I make the dough, and then she pretty much does everything else. I love yeah. the dough. <laughs> I make the dough. I mean, I, I don't even scoop it. She scoops it and everything. Uh, and pack, she's responsible for the packaging, the making sure everything gets out there. Yeah. I drop off the occasional delivery. Sure. That's about it. But um, it's really kind of become her baby, um, especially 
that I'm at Swiftwater uh, as much as I am now. But uh, we're hoping we've we've been working out of a church um, on Portland Ave for about a year and a half um, space that wasn't really getting utilized. Um, it's been a growing relationship with that with that church. Uh, we make as many cookies as we can out of that space during the course of the week. And we're happy we sell every cookie that we make. Um, but we're hoping, uh, maybe to, maybe to make some modifications to the kitchen that we're working out of, um, and maybe expand our repertoire a little bit, whether it's catering or private chefing. Um, but I would love to do something in the DMC vein, uh, beyond cookies again someday. Yeah. Um, but it's gotta make sense. It's gotta be reasonable. It's gotta be something that we can sustain. Um, so we'll see. I think T- the demand TBD. is there. I think the demand is there. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right now it's, um, you know, it's still a baby. I like We're that. still kind of nurturing it. I, so, uh, you know, to get back to it, I loved the, the peanut butter and jelly, the peanut butter and jelly. I loved the, uh, the, there was the, the chocolate chip and, uh, uh, Saltine mm-hmm. was also unbelievable. That's one of our favorites. Yeah. yeah. And, That's my favorite personally. Yeah, just working fun stuff in there, yeah. right? Like uh, when I saw you do the one with uh, the, it, uh, it was malted with uh, the uh, the potato sticks in there. Oh, the frosty fries. Yeah, we were like, uh, you know, you go to Wendy's, you get the frosty and then dip the French fries in it. And I was like, how can I make a cookie taste like that? Yep. And it took a little work. That one took a little work. Yeah, we worked with some different flour combinations. Sure. Um, finding the right potato product to use. Uh, um, but that one, yeah, well, that one will probably be back soon. We haven't made it in a little while. I love but, it. I love it. Yeah. That's it, it, So it, how about this? Um, I've been talking about uh, how to do this in the podcast for a while about like a, a way to incorporate uh, the, the listening and watching audience into some of what we do here. So uh, why don't, if you, if you are a, a fan of dope munchy crew and the cookies that they made, why don't you send us a list of a, your favorite ones, a couple ideas you have for some new ones. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one goes out. Maybe yeah, not. Definitely. Yeah. Well, they, I, you know, um, Appreciate you, man. Like talking about the closing of a business is hard, right? Yeah. There's there's a lot that goes into that, and that there's there's a lot that's personal about that. So like sharing that with me is um, I appreciate you opening up like that. That's great. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, appreciate yeah. you. Thanks uh, for having me. Cookies, yeah. cookies, cookies, cookies. Yeah. Uh, where 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 are I know you're at so, abundance. Yeah. So we're. We're focused mostly on wholesale, just getting the product out there uh, to other businesses to sell for us. Uh, Abundance Co-op, Laurie's Natural Food, um, uh, The Magnet, which is a nice little fried chicken shack in Penfield right by our, uh, right down the street from my house. Check them out. Uh, They're making really good, really good chicken there. Uh, Lux Lounge, one of my favorite places. uh, Just kind of happened to stumble into and they're like, yeah, hey, we need something behind the bar. Okay. Uh, obviously swift water. Anytime the cookies are always behind the bar. Yep. Um, but if you go to our website too, dope munchy crew, we got a list of all the dope spots sick, uh, that you can, you can get the cookies at the dope so, spots, man. Yeah. Love it. Dope munchy crew.com. Dope munchy crew cookies. Uh, 
go see Dave, man. Tell him every, tell him how much you love his cookies. Tell him much, how much you love his food. And uh, say hi to the guys at Swiftwater. Have a couple of brews. Fill up a growler. Get uh, some food. Support local yeah. business for sure. All around the board, man. Support local business. Um, awesome, man. Hey, man. Appreciate yeah. you, dude. Thank you. Good to see you. See you next time, man.